Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brendan S. Scott with you on Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer will be back tomorrow. He is traveling home after the California road trip with the Edmonton Oilers. It's 12.34 in Edmonton, and hey, you can book with New West Travel, Oilers fans. You can join Oilers now on two great road trips to Nashville and Las Vegas to see the Oilers play in two of the most exciting arenas in the league. The Oilers now package includes airfare, accommodation, great game tickets, including a private suite in Vegas, all your transportation, a welcome reception with Bob Stoffer himself and special guests, and parking at the Value Park at Edmonton International Airport. There's limited space, though, to get on these road trips to see Nashville and Las Vegas. For the Oilers Now road trips, call the travel experts at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. All right. You've heard enough of me. Let's bring aboard John Shannon and get John's take on Oilers under Ken Hitchcock. John, how are you doing today? Good, Brendan. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, according to a couple textures, I've had a little too much coffee. I'm only on one cup, though. What do you think, John? Let's just go right at it here. What do you think of the Oilers under Ken Hitchcock to this point, three games in? Well, I, uh, I mean, that's a loaded question. I guess they are what they are, a work in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to learn on the fly, learn some different things from Hitchcock that uh, he wants them to do, particularly defensively. And I think that uh, there are times that it works. Um, and times that it struggles. And, and uh, the one thing you could say about Hitchcock, he's going to be relentless. So you'll have to think that there's going to have to be some buy-in uh, at some point uh, on, a, on a completely 100% basis before we can judge the results. I get the sense that some of the guys from that older school kind of style of hockey, the identity line, the, the Lucic and Brodziak and Cassian, I think that they've seen more success early on because their style of play is more suited to the way that Hitchcock coaches. What do you, coaches rather? What do you think of that? Uh, well, I think the fact that he put them together uh, speaks uh, volumes to what he expects them to do. Uh, they certainly are... 
be, they have been put into a couple of spots, particularly in the two games in Southern California that give them an opportunity to thrive. Yet, uh, we may think they're more prevalent, but, you know, they, they haven't really contributed on the scoreboard yet. So that's a bit of a frustration. And I, th- I think it's going to take time. I mean, that's, that's the issue that at hand is how long will it take and can the team stay in contention while that's happening? Do you think that now that we've seen, obviously, the coaching change and a couple different trades and and some of that roster shuffle start to put in motion, is there more of that kind of thing that fans can expect or is now the time where they're just going to let what they have acquired in the past couple of weeks sort of uh, gel together and see how that plays out? Well, I mean... I, I... Let's be honest, they don't have much flexibility that way, Brendan. I mean, they're tight to the cap. Um, You know, they're out there probably uh, asking for the same things that a lot of teams are asking for. Um, I mean, I don't think you can judge uh, Chris Weidman just yet after the weekend. Um, uh, Brian Spooner certainly can't complain about the opportunities he's been given when you consider now he played alongside Connor McDavid. So uh, I, I think what we see is is uh, is what we're going to get for a while, and turns by the middle of the month. So. I'll ask you this. There was a, a GM chain, well, a firing. There isn't a replacement named yet in Philly. Uh, Ron Hextall no longer with the Flyers. And it was despite a pretty good record by that team, but it's a team also that couldn't get over the hump, isn't it? Yeah, they seem to have plateaued, and that you know that's a that's a concern. And again, you know, Philadelphia is a very demanding hockey town, Brendan. And and what Ron Hextall, you know, whether the whether we'll actually ever find out the truth of why Ron Hextall was fired or not will be interesting. And I think probably the the real answer is is how long that Dave Hextall lasts as coach. Um, if Hackstall is uh, there the rest of the season, then obviously it was a personality issue between Paul Holmgren and Bob Clark and Ron Hextall. If, if Dave Hackstall is fired in the next week, then obviously he was not prepared to fire the coach and hire somebody else, and he took the bullet for, uh, for both of them. And there's so that to me is interesting. Well, kind of the same uh, debate being had here in Edmonton, whether it was the, the lack of success or the inability to get over the hump was more on the general manager or the coach, and we saw the coach move. Do you think that that same debate was had in Philadelphia and it just went the other direction? No. I think it was a different conversation. Uh, the conversation in, um, in Edmonton, in my mind, was, short-term remedy you know that's hence ken hitchcock his his contract really is for this regular season only couldn't there be an extension absolutely but right now ken hitchcock's job was to get this team in the playoffs by april uh, i think that i think it was a, i think it was a different mentality of a huge rebuild that has gone on for a longer period of time uh, in my mind, or maybe just as long for Euler fans, uh, in Philadelphia and how they were doing it. And, and Paul 
Holmgren, who is uh, uh, is a, a, a pure thinker, a big thinker in the game, has ever been in the game. Uh, obviously, was feeling some frustration, and, and perhaps was getting some pressure from ownership, and uh, understood that uh, they were they had plateaued. Is there in your mind right now somebody who jumps out as uh, a likely replacement for Hextall? You know, uh, since the since the name came up, uh, uh, since the, the firing came up, rather, it's been a, a, an interesting conversation. I don't think there is one, and that you know, there perhaps it's Paul Holmgren himself in the short term. Um, that might be the one fix that they could do, and and then they can bide their time. Uh, but it's it's not as if there's a ton of general managers sitting out there. There's always a ton of coaches sitting out there, for instance, but it's not as if there's a ton of general managers sitting out there that can be difference makers. Uh, I mean, Dean Lombardi, uh, who has worked for the Flyers in some capacity uh, because Ron Hextall was loyal to him for his time in Los Angeles, uh, is one guy that obviously would come to mind, but that would be a rather complex hiring when you think about the relationship between Hextall and Lombardi. So uh, it, it's uh, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting uh, dilemma that Paul Holmgren has, and I truly believe he doesn't have anybody because if he did, he would have hired him by now. <laughs> John Shannon here on Oilers now. Brendan Escott in place of Bob Stoffer. The deadline for William Nylander, John, is coming up to make something happen. Whether he's either the team's going to trade him or he's going to sign, or do you, are you hearing anything about something this week coming down the pipe? And do you? see this getting to the point where he might miss the whole season well you yeah you, you you did forget one option is certainly that they may sign him certainly they may trade him or nothing at all and what nothing at all means is he would sit on the sidelines uh for the remainder of the season um you know there's been there's, there's so much talk uh, it's it, it's difficult to figure out what is truthful, what is hopeful, uh, and uh, what isn't necessarily reality. Uh, all I know is, is as of late last night, there were no changes. There was nothing in place. Uh, and uh, my gut tells me, and this is not I mean, this is not somebody inside the LEAP organization talking, my gut tells me that the only logical result is to sign a bridge deal uh, that is respectful of Nylander's long-term financial goals, which means the third year of the deal would be $7 million. Uh, but other than that, I just don't see anything else happening. It's a tremendous detriment to his career at this stage for him to miss playing at the NHL level, assuming that nothing gets done. You've got to consider that a setback if he ends up having to play in Europe or whatever the case may be, sitting out of a Maple Leafs lineup, correct? Yes, I mean it is. It, it, it's disappointing. It's sad. Uh, it, you know, the, you know, the offers that the Maple Leafs have given are not embarrassing, uh, but they are trying to, uh, you know, find a way to fit Nylander and keep Nylander and be able to sign their other big stars in in the year to come. So. It's, it's disappointing from a Nylander perspective and from his career opportunities. The only thing you sit here and say is uh, he's young. Um, he can get the he can probably find a way to get the year back financially over the next ten years. Uh, but certainly, there's the the amount of the amount of goodwill that uh, you you are good, good 
thoughts you have about a player might jump into into what's right or wrong. And if you're a general manager, if you're saying, well, I'm thinking of acquiring William Nylander, I'm also wondering what kind of baggage this contract squabble creates. And 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 is and will it will in the end it be worth it? Can this team, the Leafs team right now, sitting at sixteen and eight, can they make a run without him? Do they need him in that lineup to fulfill all the potential that they uh, they have and the aspirations this year? As long as Austin Matthews is happy, I think they are healthy. I think they'd be fine. Uh, you know, they you know they still have some other assets they could use to try to improve their blue line. Freddie Anderson has. Uh, been one of the best goaltenders in hockey this year, and and that's one of the well, that's maybe the key reason why they're 16 and eight. Interesting test this week, uh, Brendan. Boston tonight, San Jose Wednesday, Minnesota on Saturday. Uh, all three of those teams are going to be in the playoffs. All three of those teams have had impressive seasons somehow, some way, some like for different reasons. So this this is a pretty good litmus test uh, for the Maple Leafs. Uh, with there, there's not a team that you know the, the winning percentage of these three teams is pretty high. They have a chance that in this week to prove to people whether they truly are for real. And with the expectation that Matthews is back on Wednesday night, that gives them a little more hope. Sportsnet's John Shannon joining Brendan Escott on Oilers now. Let's shift gears uh, one last time here, John, and we'll go to the trade that happened last night. Um, Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini to Chicago for Nick Schmaltz. Do you think that that this is a case with Dylan Strom of just needing that change of scenery out of Arizona where there was just so much young talent but really not a lot of veteran insulation to maybe help his development? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, the Spooner for Strom trade, you know, 10 days earlier, the older brother, was uh, guys who had underachieved in in, in those markets uh, and maybe a change would help them. This trade's not much different. Uh, the Blackhawks had grown uh, disillusioned with Nick Schmaltz. Uh, he's a goal scorer. He can skate fast. But uh, they didn't really like his fortitude. They didn't think he was strong on the puck. Uh, they didn't think he would. Uh, he was prepared to make a commitment physically. On the other side, Brendan Perlini uh, has has an unbelievable skill to shoot the puck. He's a great skater. He has huge size, but he's so darn inconsistent. It was becoming a frustration. And as far as Dylan Strom, I don't think anybody argues that this guy has great hockey sense. He has better hands than his brother. Uh, better than both his brothers, actually. So he has the ability to pass the puck. He's a good face-off man, which the Blackhawks like. But his skating has really hurt him. And so you have to wonder how the Blackhawks can compensate for his skating ability that the, that the Coyotes couldn't. So to me, it's a change of environment might help all three guys. The Blackhawks got two bodies they think they can plug into the roster right now. Um, but uh, Nick Schmaltz is somebody that Joel Quinville was not very happy with, and I'm told that Jeremy Colleton wasn't very happy with since he took over the club. Team is 3-6 and six under Jeremy Colleton since he took over back on uh, November 8th was the first game for him. John, really appreciate you jumping aboard as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend, all right? Have a great day, Brendan. Thanks, John.
Sportsnet's John Shannon. Brendan Escott on Oilers now. It's 1248 in Edmonton. We're going to step aside and we'll head right back to that Heartland Ford text line when we return. Please support 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous and make sure every kid has a Christmas. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer. Bob will return tomorrow. He is on the plane home from Los Angeles where the Oilers fell 5-2 to two last night. Alex Chason getting a couple of goals there. He's up to 10 on the season and what a breath of fresh air he has been. Everybody's skeptical whether he can keep scoring at this clip, including myself, but for now, let's enjoy it, shall we? Let's take a peek at the Heartline Ford text line, one coming in from Dwayne in Red Earth, Alberta. Hey, Brendan, Chia needs to be out and replace him with the great one. Yeah, we see that all the time. All the time on the text line on Twitter. I don't buy for one second that Wayne Gretzky wants the responsibility of being the general manager of this team. I don't know that he's suited necessarily to be the general manager of this team. There's another one in here. It says... Hey, Brendan. This is from Chuck in Edmonton. Hey, Brendan, do you think Hitchcock could be the next GM of the Oilers? Because remember, they're only committed to him as coach of this team through the end of this season. But I ask you this in return, Chuck. I ask you if right now you look at the state of hockey and say that somebody whose prime coaching career was late 90s through early 2000s, if that's the head that you want, uh, uh, the head of the franchise. I don't know if, if his philosophy is conducive to the new school of hockey. I guess we'll see how the rest of this season plays out with him coaching, and then that'll demonstrate whether he's been enough of a student of the game to see that. I look around not just the NHL, but professional sports and say the trend of general managers, it's, it's younger and younger. It is. And guys like Kyle Dubas, for example, though it was, of course, Lamorello at the helm when they made a lot of the acquisitions of these young players. But Dubas was right there in the lurch, in the shadows, ready to take this team over. He's a new hockey mind. What say you? Steve from Drumheller says he's worried that Chirelli's going to trade Nuge. If you wouldn't sabotage the team at the trade deadline, then why is he doing it now? No faith. Well, I don't think that either of the moves that he's made in the last couple of weeks are a problem. They're certainly not any worse for getting Ryan Spooner in for an underperforming Ryan Strom. Although, if you look at Spooner's numbers, he's minus six. He was playing on the second line. He was bumped up to the first line. Didn't really improve anything. And he has only six shots on goal in five games. But you can't expect that somebody who was just traded here out of another struggling franchise is just going to come and kick the door down and, and blow the roof off the place. It doesn't matter if he's playing with McDavid. There's an adjustment period, just like there is for the coach, just like there is for Chris Weidman. You can't look at Chris Weidman's body of work over the past four seasons and say that he couldn't contribute as a second-unit power play quarterback if that's how they wanted to deploy him. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be able to step in there in game one and just be at the peak of his game. 
And that's like, let's forget entirely about what was going on in the Uber and the scandal there with Weidman. And you think he's just going to step right into this lineup and be at the top of his game? No, it's going to take some time, man. Let's wait on that and find out. And while we're at it, let's take a look around the league and say, I already mentioned that under their new head coach in Chicago, Jeremy Colleton, the team is three and six. There wasn't any instant success there. They lost a couple games before they got back in the win column. And under Craig Berube, who was brought in to replace Mike Yo in St. Louis the same day, just a couple hours before Todd McClellan was was fired, well, they're one and two under him right now. The Oilers are one, one, and one. So across the board, I don't think that you can expect too much too soon out of this situation. And one other interesting thing here, and I apologize, those are texting in right now saying I'm, in, I'm too enthusiastic. Well, get used to it. Passionate hockey fan behind a microphone with thousands of captive ears. I don't know, man. Against backup goaltenders, I don't know if this is anomaly. I didn't really look historically into this. The Oilers have played 11 backup goaltenders in 23 games this year. Doesn't that seem like a lot? And I don't even think it's by design, like, oh, the Oilers are coming to town. We're going to throw the second tier in there. It just, it seems to have happened. So let's let's go down the list. They had Yaroslav Halak out of Boston. They had him twice. Once in the first game of the year, and they lost that. And then the overtime win in the home opener here at Rogers Place. And then a couple of games against UC Saros, who at that time, I suppose, was filling in for Pekka Rene as the number one. But Saros is still their, their backup. Won one of those games, lost another. And then a couple against Cam Ward out of Chicago while Corey Crawford was on the schneid. Two wins there. Alex Stalock came into Rogers' place with Minnesota and beat the team. Phoenix Copley beat the team. Anthony Niemi got pummeled 6-2 to two by the Oilers in the last really dominant game that the, the team played. David Riddick stole the game for Calgary last weekend. And then Cal Peterson last night, who, (laughs) for being a relatively unknown goaltender, has been pretty damn impressive so far behind a not-so-solid team. So that brings the Oilers' record against backup goaltenders to 5-6. and And I'm looking at that and saying, you'd like to be at a lot higher of a winning percentage against teams' backups. Sometimes you can run into a hot goaltender. That was the case last night, if you ask me. The Oilers played good hockey, and they ended up losing 5-2 because Peterson made some good saves. I don't know. What say you? We'll find out what say you. After the news break, we'll start taking some calls, and we'll continue with the Heartland Ford text line. This is Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. We're off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.